unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Coming up on this episode, my pleasure to welcome back Chip Carey, the television play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves. We'll talk about that 2021 World Championship with Chip. He is standing by in the virtual green room and will join us in just a few moments. So I'm recording this on Monday, April 4th, ahead of the NCAA National Championship game. So results will not be available in analysis on this particular show, but we'll do something a little bit later in the week. But I did want to address the final four and the finale to the career of Coach K at Duke. Mike Krzyzewski finally hangs them up. And boy, does North Carolina, their arch rival, get the ultimate bragging rights. They ruined his final home regular season game by beating them in Cameron. And then they're responsible for saying goodbye to Coach K as they beat the Blue Devils in the final four. Amazing career for Coach K. Um, you know, I I kind of waver a little bit on him from time to time. I mean, look, he's a remarkable coach. He's Got a record second to none, and you can even say better than John Wooden, even though he had more championships. John Wooden's landscape was a much smaller NCAA tournament and far fewer obstacles to get to the national championship, especially as he kept you know pumping in seven-footers like Bill Walton and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Lou Alcindor, as it was at the time. You know, so Coach K getting, you know, the six championships uh, in this day and age over the course of his career is a remarkable feat. Now, sometimes he goes a little overboard, a little too holier than thou. Um, you know, in that, those instances when he uh, kind of talks to a, another team's player, yeah, it's kind of out of line, I think. You know, I mean, if you got an issue with that player, talk to their coach. So I think sometimes he would overstep his bounds. But face it, he has meant a great deal to the game of college basketball. You know, Duke is a big reason why the NCAA tournament is and continues to grow and be what it is. You know, they became the hated Dukies. You know, Christian Leitner with the big shot. And, you know, and the guys like Bobby Hurley. And, uh, and Grayson Allen that you know became just loathed by the opposition. So like it or not, Duke has had a big part in the uh, in the in the evolution of the uh, NCAA basketball tournament by what they have done. All right. My pleasure to welcome back for his annual visit to my podcast, Chip Carey, the television play-by-play voice of the 2021 world champion, Atlanta Braves. Chip, thanks for being back on the show. Pleasure's all mine. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I guess that doesn't get uh, too old to say world champion Atlanta Braves, does it? Yeah, I kind of like that intro. Hopefully they can do it again. It's been 20-some-odd years since the team has uh, repeated as world champions. But yeah, the Braves celebrating... uh, a remarkable accomplishment last year, as I've said to many people, it was most unexpected, it was most unusual, and uh, probably the most unlikely world championship in recent memory in baseball. So, yeah, to be along for that ride and to see what that group accomplished down the stretch was really remarkable and something we'll start to celebrate this coming weekend. 
Yes, that's for sure. And uh, can you give me some of your fondest recollections of uh, what took place last year? Uh, well, where do you start? I mean, uh, this was a team that started slowly. They went 0-4, couldn't hit a lick. The only guy that was hitting was Ronald Acuna Jr. Pablo Sandoval hit a bunch of big home runs for them. Uh, you know, the pitching was pretty good, but they just never really tr- uh, gained any kind of traction at all. The team didn't get over 500 until August. Uh, that was kind of frustrating. And then uh, when Acuna got hurt and Ozuna got hurt, everybody was saying, oh, God, you know, what's going to happen here? And all of a sudden, they, they just caught fire after the trading deadline, getting Rosario, getting Soler, uh, adding Richard Rodriguez from the Pirates, um, those, Jock Peterson, of course. Those were all huge moves that sort of told the guys in the clubhouse that the front office still believed in them. And then, of course, when you get in the playoffs, uh, all it takes is uh, you know one guy to get hot, and things can really take off for you. And I think Freddie Freeman's home run against the Giants, or against, uh, excuse me, the Brewers, and Josh Hader was... Uh, sort of the blow that told everybody, hey, we can win this thing. And they did. And uh, just a remarkable, uh, remarkable way to, uh, uh, you know, cap a season, get to the World Series and beat the Astros in six on their home field. I mean, how could you not like that? Yeah, no, absolutely an amazing season. And of course, you know, there's a lot of sad faces regarding the departure of Freddie Freeman. You've got to face it, you know, in today's sports world, a, a guy staying with his team in his entire career is an anomaly. Chipper Jones uh, would be an anomaly in that respect because, you know, Hank Aaron didn't finish as a Brave. Dale Murphy didn't finish as a Brave. You know, Glavin and Smoltz didn't finish as Braves. And, of course, with this uh, age of free agency the way it is nowadays, it's uh, it's hard for players to stay in one location their entire career. But uh, what can you share with me as far as, you know, the time that you've spent with Freddie Freeman over the years and, 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 and some recollections on him? Uh, total pro. I mean, you know, Freddie Freeman grew up in the Braves organization. Remember fondly his first home run against Roy Halladay when he was a chubby cheeked 22 year old kid, uh, up at Citizens Bank ballpark. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where it started. Um, you know, Freddie Freeman and Jason Hayward were talked of as the next two generational cornerstones for the franchise as Chipper Jones got long in the tooth. And Freddie Freeman and Jason Hayward in their early days did exactly that. Look, bottom line is baseball's a business, and Freddie did and asked for his representation, asked for what he thought his market value was going to be, and his market value didn't jive with what the Braves thought it was going to be at the end of the contract. And reasonable people can still have a great deal of admiration for each other, a great deal of respect for what they accomplished together. But also understand that business is business, and Freddie Freeman did what he thought was right for his family and his career and his business, marketing and and taking care of himself, and the Braves did exactly the same thing. Look, I've said to many people that uh, in a situation like this, you really have to break down what took place between Freddie Freeman and the Braves into two separate piles. Number one, as I've alluded to, Freddie Freeman's a great guy, great husband, great father, grew up in the organization, uh, just a wonderful person always treated the media with a great deal of respect, went out of his way to be helpful to us and for us, and really made our jobs a lot easier. Uh, We're going to miss that. You miss those kinds of people in our game. Uh, Obviously, you're going to miss him from a baseball standpoint. The guy's an MVP. The guy's a World Series champion. He's been in your organization for a decade and a half, and he knows all the ins and outs and was a total pro's pro. But again, as I said, the other side of the coin is business is business, and the Braves weren't willing to go a sixth year at the kind of dollars that Freddie Freeman wanted. They went out and got a younger, less expensive, and equally accomplished player in Matt Olson, whom I think the Braves fans are going to fall in love with. And as you said, 
uh, the players come and go, the broadcasters come and go, the managers, the GMs come and go, and the games go on. And the Braves will continue without Freddie Freeman. Uh, we'll miss him. We will always value his, his uh, contributions. He will go down as one of the greats to ever play for the franchise. Um, but he made a decision to go elsewhere, and that's the decision he made. The Braves made a decision to move to Matt Olson, who I think our fans are going to enjoy and, and, and hopefully uh, help win championships as well. So, uh, Freddie ended up in a great place. The Braves are in a great place. And we move forward confidently and happy for both parties as we enter 2022, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, uh, I think Tony Kornheiser might have said this best, you know, as far as, you know, the Braves situation. You know, they didn't get some rum dum to replace Freddie Freeman. They got Matt Olson. Now, we, we haven't seen a lot of Matt Olson because he's been on the West Coast, but is certainly an accomplished player, an excellent uh, player. Uh, tell me your impressions of him so far. Uh, we've only seen a little bit of him uh, because we only did a handful of games. But look, the guy's a terrific defensive player, big left-handed hitter, just like Freddie Freeman. Uh, hits a lot of home runs, uh, and you know is is a guy that can anchor a lineup. And as I said, he's four years younger than than Freddie. And you know, at the end of the day, when you get a player who's four years younger um, and can put up similar numbers and can do so at a, at a lower price tag, you'd be foolish not to explore that. And that move alone allowed the Braves to go out and get Colin McHugh and to go get Kenley Jansen and to make some other improvements on this team that I think are going to make it as strong, if not stronger on paper, than the one that finished up last year hoisting up the commissioner's trophy. So, um, you know, it, it's it's a different era. It's a new era. But, and that doesn't mean we're turning our back on what happened in the past. Uh, we will always finally remember 2021. But come Thursday, 21's over. <laughs> and you got to get your focus back on the task at hand, which is the 162-game marathon that is a new season with a big target on your back and with a lot of expectations, not just from your own fan base, but a lot of expectations around all of Major League Baseball to see if 2021 was real or not. I think it was. I think this is a really good team. It's going to be a fun team to watch. And their window of opportunity is wide open and should stay that way for the next several years, I think. Yeah, one of the big strengths of the team last year, which I think will be again this year, was the night shift, our bullpen. Um, you know, you look at, uh, you know, you've told me every year, you know, bullpens, you know, they, they have to change their makeup every year, the way players move around and, and whatnot. But the Braves kept a lot of the arms and they had Kenley Jansen. I mean, that's a, uh, that's a quite a quite a accomplishment there. Yeah, the, the best closer of his generation. Yeah, they added him on a one-year deal. He's dreamed of playing for the Braves, so he's here. Will Smith was happy to move into a setup role. Uh, but I think that's what makes this Braves bullpen so good, the night shift, as you call them. They're all guys that can close. Uh, you know, A.J. Minter can close. Tyler Matzik can close. Uh, Tyler Thornburg can close. Colin McHugh can close. Uh, there really isn't a weak spot in that group in the Braves' bullpen, and that's going to be exceptionally important in the first couple of weeks of the season. The Braves start the year with 14 straight days without a day off. We know about the truncated spring spring training. We wonder about the effect of that on starting pitchers. You're going to need a deep and multi-inning complement of relief pitchers to get you through those middle innings if you have the lead to polish the game off and put it in the win column. And I think Alex Anthopoulos did a really, really good job of, of doing all of that. Uh, you know, Kenley Jansen's a, a terrific closer, but all those guys have excellent ninth inning and eighth inning stuff. And that was one of the strengths of the Braves team last year. I expected to be the same this year, if not more so. Yeah, and you, you know, you probably could have made a movie on Tyler Matzik just getting back to the big leagues after what he went through. But to see what he accomplished last year, especially being so clutch in the playoffs, uh, what a terrific story he is. 
Yeah, a guy that uh, battled, uh, you know, emotional problems, control problems, confidence issues, was out of professional baseball for a while, a long while. Uh, Walt Weiss was his manager in Colorado where he picked up his first major league win, of course, against the Braves. Uh, you know, took a flyer on him and, and rewarded the Braves with uh, just dominant work in postseason play. Uh, you know, you never know when guys are going to pop. You never know when they're going to figure it out. You never know what event in their life is going to turn around their life and their career. And that was the case with Tyler Matzik. He's figured things out off the field, which led to serenity and calmness and effectiveness on the field. And make no mistake about it, he is a big, big part of that bullpen, a big, big part of this team, and another guy that I think can help pick up the mantle of leadership now that Freddie Freeman's playing on the West Coast. So we're glad he's on our side. He's a terrific guy and is a, you know, a guy that watches him pitch every other day. Uh, couldn't be happier for his success. Yeah, and then you look at the uh, on the offensive side, you know, we've, the Braves have such a great young core, and you know, you get Adam Duvall uh, returning once again. Eddie Rosario's re-signed. And, of course, uh, you're going to get Ronald Acuna Jr. back at some point. He's going to start on the DL to start the season, uh, or, excuse me, the injured list. i got to correct that. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, it's only going to be onward and upward when you get Acuna back. Well, and Marcelo Zuna. I think those mm-hmm. two guys combined to play 130 games last year, combined. And you're going to have uh, Ozuna ready to go from the opening bell. Uh, Cunha should be ready to go, or it's thought he could be go sometime in May, maybe the first week of May, both offensively and defensively. So, yeah, at least on paper, uh, you know, you add, if, if Olsen does what Freddie Freeman did, if all the other guys on the infield do what they did, and you patch it together once Acuna comes back. Uh, yeah, I think this is a Braves team that could threaten their all-time home run record of 249 homers in a season. This group certainly has the potential of doing that. Um, but in the case of Olsen in particular, uh, I just hope that he comes in and is, is Matt Olsen. That's going to be plenty good enough. In Oakland, he had to be the guy offensively on this team with Dansby Swanson, Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley, Ronald Acuna, Marcelo Zuna, Adam Duvall. He just has to be a guy, and I think if you look at this lineup uh, uh, objectively on paper, it's going to be a really, really tough lineup to navigate your way through. It's deep. It's not particularly balanced lefty or righty, but it's filled with thunder all the way up and down the lineup, but this is a group that could change the game and change a score in the blink of an eye, which they did a lot last year. Yeah, and I also would think, too, that you know guys that uh, like yourself who are with the team all the time – Everybody has to be so happy for, you know, Brian Snicker getting the accomplishments he's done, winning a world championship, you know, bringing the Braves up through that that process. Um, you know, give me give me your thoughts on Brian Snicker. And, you know, he's got to be happy that, you know, he's got a general manager that gives him toys to play. <laughs> yeah, he's well, first of all, he's a great person. Uh, you know, I always start there. I think you, if you pay attention, that's what I said about Freddie Freeman first. Terrific person. Uh, you know, Brian's a guy that was a good organizational, good organizational soldier. He was unfairly sent to the minor leagues under a previous regime. Didn't say a word, went down there, went to work, uh, and then got a chance to come back once Freddie Gonzalez was relieved of his duties. And he really helped straighten things out. I mean, Alex uh, Anthopoulos is 44 or 45 years old. Brian Snicker's been in the Braves organization for 43 years. And those two have a, you know, developed a really, really remarkable uh, working relationship. It's based on mutual respect. It's based on Brian's willingness to try and learn new things. It's based on Alex Anthopoulos learning from a guy who's been around, you know, four plus decades in the game. And I think that's the cornerstone of why they are where they are. Uh, They work very, very well together. And in the case of Brian Snitker, it's just a a wonderful thing to see loyalty um, rewarded. Uh, to, To be in an organization that long, 
And to have as many world championships as Hall of Famer Bobby Cox says an awful lot about what Brian Snicker has done. And all of us who get to work with him consider that a privilege. All of us who know Brian and his wonderful family are thrilled for them. Because uh, no matter what happens from here on out, nobody will ever, ever be able to say that Brian Snicker is not a world champion. And for a guy that grew up in Macon, Illinois, uh, you know, dreaming of someday getting to the big leagues, I don't, I don't think in his wildest of dreams, 2021 would have turned out the way it did. But it did. And uh, he accomplished a goal everybody has, and that is to win the last game you play in baseball season, and that's what the Braves did last year. Yeah, and you mentioned all the, the great trade trade deadline acquisitions that uh, Alex Anthopoulos made. He has really set the bar very, very high for 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 that endeavor coming to the trade deadline. We may never have seen, seen anything like that again. <laughs> well, certainly not the way that it worked out. I mean, these were all guys that were either hurt or underperforming uh, in their previous spots, but whatever Alex and his staff saw, uh, worked very well. The biggest one, I think, was Jock Peterson. At the time uh, the Braves acquired him, it was right around the trading deadline. Acuna had just gotten hurt, and everybody wondered, are the Braves going to stay in this thing, or are they going to just fall apart? They'd not been above 500 all year. They went out and got Jock Peterson, who had a couple of home runs, had a couple of big hits in the first week, and sort of stabilized things for a while. Let everybody catch their breath and not panic. And as I alluded to earlier, I, in my opinion, uh, that, that sort of calmed the clubhouse down and said, look, we're still in this. We're not giving up on this season. And when you tell guys that you're not quitting on them, they're not going to quit on you. And I really believe that that was as instrumental a move as any of the Braves made uh, at the trading deadline. You know about Rosario and Soler and what they did in the postseason. Rodriguez helped the bullpen. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that you're ever going to see a general manager go four for four or five for five at the trade deadline with flyers like Alex Anthopoulos did. But it worked out, and um, um, those moves were the right moves for the right reasons. Those guys fit into the room, and obviously the results speak for themselves. Well, we got a season coming up. What What is your thoughts on the NL East uh, going into this season? Oh, the teams are going to be a lot better. Look, I know the Mets have some pitching concerns right now with DeGrom hurt, and that probably out for the first couple of months, and Scherzer's hamstring and all of that. Uh, but make no doubt about it, the Mets are going to be a much better team, uh, and especially so if DeGrom and Scherzer are 100%, and they'll be a shorthanded at the start of the year. Uh, the Marlins, I think, have one of the best young pitching staffs that nobody really talks about. That's not going to be a fun team to play in any way, shape, or form. Uh, you know, the Phillies with Nola and Wheeler, uh, they're going to score a ton of runs with the acquisition of Nick Castellanos. I don't know that they're going to be as a what you call a gold-glove caliber defensive team, but I guarantee you they're going to score more than they let in. Uh, so that's going to be a challenge. And the Washington Nationals, rebuilding, probably going to lose 90-plus games this year. But you've got Juan Soto and, and Nelson Cruz in the middle of that lineup. But any team that has Juan Soto is going to have their hands full when he's in the batter's box. Because like Tony Gwynn, he's one of those players that when the game's on the line, the lineup card always seems to come to him, and he has a chance to do something special. So uh, I really believe the East has gotten better top to bottom. Uh, but I think the Braves have gotten better, too. And uh, everybody says, well, you know, are the Braves trying to match the Mets with what they did? I think the opposite's true. I think the teams are trying to catch Atlanta, match the Braves. After all, they're the team that's won the last four divisions. And I think that's the first uh, goal for Brian Snicker in his speech in spring training every year. Win the division first, because if you don't do that, you don't really have the best chance of advancing and getting to your ultimate goal, which is to win the World Series. So one step at a time, one day at a time, try to win today, worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Uh, and worry about the rest of the division when you play them. But it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a close race. should be a lot of fun, and that's what we can't wait to get started on Thursday. All right, and are you and your fellow broadcasters going to get to go back on the road? We are, yes, thankfully. Uh, you know, we understand why uh, – uh, 
we were we were sequestered back in Atlanta or in our home ballparks as a as an industry. We get it, um, you know, safety first and all of that. But uh, now that we've got vaccines and and uh, I think there's a lot less paranoia about COVID, not to take it lightly and not to make it uh, light in any way, shape, or form. Uh, those who have suffered from it, I lost a family member to COVID as well. Uh, but I think for those of us who really want to tell the stories of our particular teams and our players, that's very hard to do when the team's seven, eight hundred, nine hundred miles away from you. So being able to catch up to guys in a coffee shop, stand by the batting cage and talk baseball, be in the locker room, the clubhouse, on the bus, and really get a feel and a sense of the pulse of your team on a day-to-day basis is really, really important. And for those of us who try to do it right, that's the right way to do it. We're glad that uh, circumstances and uh, Major League Baseball, uh, the rights holders are all allowing us to do that. And which city are you most looking forward to getting back to? Uh, well, any of them, to be honest with you, <laughs> uh, because uh, you know sta- Atlanta's great, but uh, doing it 190 days last year was a little rough, doing the same thing over and over again. I, I think I would be a terrible prisoner because uh, <laughs> I, don't think, uh, I don't think the similarity of that routine suited me very well uh, last year. But look, I grew up in St. Louis, love going there, can't wait to get to Chicago. And, uh, you know, see friends at Wrigley Field, uh, great city there. Uh, we're going to the West Coast this year, so we'll see some places that we don't see all that often in interleague play. Seattle's always great. Um, so, quite frankly, any of them and all of them will be fantastic. Uh, you know, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy the travel. I enjoy uh, talking to those wonderful people with the other ball clubs and, and the people around the ballpark that make our job so fun. And as I said, we understand why we couldn't. We're grateful that we can, and we can't wait to get started a week into the season when we go to San Diego and L.A. Any new wrinkles uh, for the broadcast uh, this season? Uh, we've, uh, you know, just the usual cast of, uh, of great analysts. Jeff Rancourt will be with us. Brian Jordan, Peter Moylan, Nick Green, and Paul Bird will join me in the booth from time to time. Tom Glavin will probably not be with us, but for a handful of games this year for personal and family reasons. So uh, we'll certainly miss Tom, but relish when he's around. But uh, Gretchen Caney's still our producer. We'll still have the great coverage with Kelly Kroll on the sidelines and Paul Bird. Uh, Trevor Scales will be our pregame host on Braves Live. And, uh, you know, there'll be a lot of games on national television, but the best Braves coverage will be on Bally Sports South and Bally Sports Southeast. And uh, we'll be with you every day all summer long and hopefully into October and maybe November too. Yeah, that's outstanding. We look forward to it as always and uh, enjoy the celebration at the uh, start of the season. And uh, I'm sure you're excited to hit the ground running and uh, calling another season to baseball. Yeah, hit the road tomorrow to get up to Atlanta and get started. So, uh, so, so my winter vacation is over, as it were, but uh, it's always great to be home, but it's always great to get back to work and work with my second family, our our great baseball crew, and our, our fantastic fans. So, yeah, we're ready to go. should be a fun year, and uh, we'll be there every step of the way. All right, Chip, thanks again. I appreciate your time. Okay, my pleasure. Be well. Take care. And we'll be right back with a TV theme to close things out right after this. No Republicans, no Democrats, no team from Washington, no team with a star on the side of their head. We don't even talk about alpha and beta storms around here. And if you believe all of that, I have a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. Captain and Company in the morning, join me 9 to noon, weekday mornings on OldSchool101.com because class is always in session around here, virus or no virus.
of course, the familiar theme of the Bugs Bunny show, which, of course, aired for many, many years <laughs> uh, from the 60s, 70s, 80s, all the way through 2000. But uh, that theme, most notably from the 1970s when it aired on CBS. And uh, also kind of fitting, that's kind of a neat uh, theme to open up the baseball season with that we uh, we get to do this week. So certainly one of the uh, great all-time Saturday morning staples uh, on both ABC and CBS. The Bugs Bunny Show, which was sometimes the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Show. Uh, <laughs> and of course, all the great Looney Tunes characters, Daffy Duck and Foghorn Leghorn and Elmer Fudd. You could go on and on. The Bugs Bunny theme, our TV theme for this week. We went cartoon this time around. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore 88, on Facebook at Jeff Allen 88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.